happened this morning at 6 a.m.? What's that? Well, um, there was a loud cop knock, and all that me, me and Mike both have bedrooms that face the street, and we both had our windows open because it was cool last night, you know, it's comfortable. And we woke up to this loud cop knock that sounded like it was on our house, and then we heard the loud cop voices saying, it's the police, and me and Mike scrambled because, you know... We're nervous people. Mike yeah. has a lot of drugs, I assume, in his bedroom. What was your address again? No, that's fine. Okay. Uh, <laughs> what, I was trying to think of the address from the Blues Brothers. I should do that. I should give people like the address for Yank. That's true. Your Philly food will never show up. Exactly. They'll deliver it to the baseball people. Um, but yeah, so we, we woke up to a panic, and then we just saw that they were raiding the house next door. Oh, did you sneak in, get some... Get some goodies? No, they just, they went in for, like, a few of them, and they had, like, they had, like, shields and stuff. I don't know what they were looking for, but they didn't arrest anyone, and then they just left in their pickup trucks and private vehicles. Really? Yeah. You get the license plates? No. feed it to my anarchist network? I didn't think of it. It also might have not been them. They just all went up the street, and then, like, a few minutes later, some cars went by, but they were all, like, together. Oh, right, because it's a public street. But I think it was, I don't know, it doesn't matter. Long story short, I was awakened to the thought that, oh, I'm about to get arrested, maybe, <laughs> for a question mark for oh. my crimes against humanity, I guess. My roommate killed a man. Oh. <laughs> Mike got really high last night and killed someone. <laughs> he was pretty twisted. Pretty twisted. Just one of those nights. You ever wake up with a hangover and you're like trying to piece it all together? There's blood on your hands. You got one glove that doesn't fit all the way. Ah, <laughs> oh, man. Those are the days. Speaking of which, that's a nice little segue. This week's guest, Orithal James Simpson. <laughs> OJ, say something funny. Oh, no. Oh, he doesn't want to talk. He looks nervous now. We shouldn't have mentioned the whole... Uh, Stabby, stabby, wife, wife. Now, OJ, what was your interest in coming on a Laura Dern podcast? Yeah, as far as I know, you've never been in anything with Laura Dern. No, yeah, I, I was under the impression you weren't so wild about tall, thin, blonde women. Yeah, and uh, Jewish waiters, too. Yep. I think Laura Dern has more in common with Jewish waiters than OJ Simpson. Mm. Or more, I guess more common ground, I would say. They're both award-winning in their fields. That's true. They've both acted. I have, I have like a six degrees of O.J. Simpson from Marriage Story that I can do. Where okay. the woman from Airplane, the lead, yeah. Julie Haggerty, was in Naked Gun with O.J. Simpson. And she was in Marriage Story with huh. Laura Dern. I'm trying to think if I could six degrees my way to O.J. Simpson. I think you got to go through Naked Gun. No, I meant like me, per, oh, like you if personally. I could get from my personal Nicholas Calabrese life to O.J. Simpson. Oh, you can? I can. Go, you first. I'm going to think um, about mine. A few shorter. I wish I still had it. Um, I was born in L.A. And it was... Oh, Mr. Hotshot. wasn't up to me. What were you, a Hollywood baby? I was. You know, my you, my I parents were both the, theatrical folk. I was the baby in... Dozens of productions. <laughs> Three men and a baby. That was me. <laughs> I was that baby. Um, my and this was in the eighties. This was when OJ was just a great football player and like LA's native son. And 
my mom was at some event where him and a bunch of football players were there and they all signed her sweater. I think it was like a sweater from the event. And he wrote OJ and drew a peace sign. Uh-huh. And so I used to have that because it was a dope sweater That's and now cool. it's lost to history. That's sad. I had a really nice hat that was my mom's and I lost it. Hmm. Sad. I was... Did your mom kill anybody? I don't think so. Okay. Maybe. We'll see. History books will tell mm-hmm. the future people listening to this. Um, I was gonna It's going to be really twisted if your mom kills you. That'd be Whoa, like tonight. <laughs> yeah! Oh, we get so many this, heads. This will be like one of those things that they play like over a black screen to introduce the Netflix documentary about mm-hmm. my mom killing me for no reason. It'll turn out that Darren After Reading podcast becomes like... Like, I'm watching the Michael Jordan documentary now, and part of what's amazing is that there's all this unprecedented footage from the last season where he was on the Bulls that they, like, let the cameras in. So it was like, oh, we happen to have access to this trove of great documentary footage. That's, like, what this podcast is going to (laughs) become in your trial. After in your mom's trial, yeah. you're gonna be dead. I'll, I will have been dead. She, by she will have bludgeoned, <laughs> bludgeoned her way through your your skull. Yeah, yeah. And then this will be reviewed in court on court TV for the whole world to hear. So you're gonna rent a little guy's suit for the trial? They're just called suits. Okay. I got tailored the other day for a suit. You know, I got They're... Michael to the other day, so. I... <laughs> <laughs> that was fun, wasn't it? What is this? What is what? What's this? Um, What's going on here? Why are you? Had, why are you in my? I study? had something I was gonna say. It's gone now, forever. Poof. Um, I'm here because we do a podcast called Dern After Reading, where we're trying to watch everything Laura Dern has ever done in her whole life, and we're pretty far through. We're over halfway by now, folks. Better get ready for a change-up, because soon we're going to run out of Laura Dern stuff. Then we're going to, I don't know, just look at each other, I guess. Yep. We'll just record in silence once a week. Oh, um, I was in San Francisco once, and I went on this little, like, tour, and it was, like, a just audio. Like, when you went and buy things, it would play automatically, like, on a map. And it was, like, it was weird because there were That's things so like, Silicon Valley. this is the Golden Gate Bridge, blah, 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 blah. And then it, there would be, like, weird little really dark true crime nuggets along the way that seemed like, <laughs> this is a tour families could take. That's weird. And we went by this one high school, and it was like, this is where O.J. Simpson went to high school. And it, like, did a brief little blurb on him, like, O.J. Simpson, famed football player, actor. And then it just mentioned him murdering his wife. I was like, what the hell? And then there was this one corner, and it was like, oh, the Zodiac Killer committed multiple murders here. And I was like, what's going on? It was cool, though. I, I liked it, personally. Oh, clearly. I love murder. It's right up next wheelhouse. 30, that's, I love murder. That's going to be, like, the big poll quote for my trial. Mm-hmm. We'll put it on the tombstone. Actually, no, I was going to steal a joke from somebody, but that's classless. Yeah. So if you're wondering why this podcast isn't funny, it's because we have integrity. Yes! If we didn't have integrity, we would be hilarious. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Ah, stretching out. So, what's Laura Dern up to? She's a producer now. She is. Yeah, she produced a movie called The Way I See It that we don't have to watch. Yep. Legally per, by per our, the bylaws. By our contract we signed when we started this. Mm-hmm. It's um I believe a documentary about the 
White House photographer uh, Pete Souza under the, um, oh, he was the presidential photographer from Reagan to Obama. The one who does the portrait photography? I don't know. Uh, probably just like a, I think with like, them all the time. Yeah, he's just hanging out. Interesting job. I bet he has great bathroom pictures of all the presidents. Yep. Wonder, some of some of them with young children. Wonder which one hung the most dong. Huh. I mean, Reagan, ever or just that window? Just while they were present. I imagine Reagan did because he was just a forgetful H. old man. H.W. This guess. isn't a question. I don't know, man. I don't uh, think about his right. penis that often. All right. Are I you? will pull up for you and everyone else pull up at home. Oh, just no. Just search young George H.W. Oh, no. When I say hang dong, I literally just mean, like, it's hanging out. It's just there on display. Well, oh, I, I imagine he... Well, then, like, who's most likely to just publicly hang dong? Reagan. Because his brain was not That's what I was... That's exactly... We could have eliminated that whole conversation. <laughs> yeah, but if we're talking who's got the biggest package... Oh, yeah. H.W. I believe it. H.W. Hey, Adam Miller Fillmore. <laughs> Huge dick piece Famous, of shit. um, poon hound, as they say in the, uh... In the rags. <laughs> in the White House press. <laughs> Look at that. Look at that. This, this guy's got a hammer. Oh, yeah, turn. Look oh, my wow. Ye- a yell. Oh, wow, that guy. An old Yale baseball shot. That guy oh, paid yeah. some hush money. Mm-hmm. He also helped kill Kennedy. He sure did. <laughs> he Good. rascal. Good for him. He was actually late for the assassination because he was, uh, he was, well, how did the kids say it? Dicking down a sweet young thing? He was having a nooner? A nooner. That's a funny word. That's, that's a that's a good comedy word because it's got a, a real word and then you add er. Mm-hmm. Laughter like delight. boner. Hilarious Have word. A yeah. What do you feel is the best um, best uh, slang term for testicles? Because there's a right answer. There is, but oh, I wish I could remember it. I went to community college with this person who, he had... You get it, you went to community college. He had a name for his penis and both of his balls all individually, and he said, if you're lucky, you could meet the whole gang. It was like, it was like Dr. Jo- I think it was like Dr. Johnson, P-Funk, it was like, they had like great, like, old-timey, like, funk names. Okay. It was good. You meet the whole band. Was he hanging dong? Um, I don't know. Okay. He still works at Sam's Club. You never met the band? I never did, no. I did one, too. The answer was Plums. Mm. Eh, Plums is the best. That's okay. No, Plums is so good. The phrase, you ain't got the plums. Listeners, Mm. use it this week. (laughs) Use it on your boss or grandfather. So, as all of our listeners know, the Laura Dern Sit Challenge has taken the nation by storm. Yes. Everyone from politicians to TikTok teens are doing it. And proud to say, not a nickel for ALS. Yes. They got enough. They already got Lou Gehrig. What else do they want? <laughs> Isn't it crazy the, the <laughs> that Lou Gehrig died of Lou Gehrig's disease? <laughs> oh, man. It's a dumb joke. So before we talk about the real reason that we're here, which is a movie and a short movie. Oh, what's... I thought you were going to propose. Oh, 
No, I'd probably do it at the end of the episode. We'd both be oh, way too giddy if I did it now. That's true. We can't bail on the listeners. And I, I'd sure. have to. We'd have to go to the doll shop to get the ring resized for you. So. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> I don't know why I'm ripping you so hard this week. It hit me hard with the short jokes. I, I, it's the size of coffee. Because I, I, frankly, for all my, I will say, unparalleled wit. <laughs> There's something about snappy insults where it's not really my game. I think it's a lot of deep personal insecurity where and shame. So I feel like I, I fold. I fold to insults. So it's you're being a bully. Yes, yeah. I am. Okay. I'm, and you're proud of that. Yes, I. Well, I am what you could call a proud, a proud man, boy. or perhaps a proud boy. Oh, how was the? Did you get to see Donnie? Pardon? Did you go see Trump yesterday? He was in town. Oh, really? How was it? I didn't yeah. hear about that actually. Well, don't don't. Oh, talk you're to you're me putting like... an alibi on on the recording. No, I, I feel like I would have heard about that. Where was he? Independence Hall. Really? Yeah. Like for real, he was at yeah. Independence Hall. Yeah, oh. for like a few hours. I'm not sure what he was doing. Just fucking kicking stuff. Just kicking Donnie Donnie kicks. I could just imagine him on a like a special VIP trying to kick. Like, if, imagine if there were a soccer ball in front of him, and he's got, like, an oversized suit, like he does, and a big dumb tie, and a fat ass, and he, like, you're like, Donnie, try to kick the ball. I imagine just, like, a straight, like, he moves his straight leg back a little, and then forward. Yes. Like, the, yeah. ball, the ball would move, but, like, you know, ten feet. Ooh, I think that's generous. I think he would really... We're like throwing a baseball. <laughs> throw, you know. There's a reason he's never thrown an opening pitch. Has he never? Oh yeah, he's he not wouldn't. as president. He's way too. He proud. might have at some point in his previous. Right. It, you know, three hearts ago he might have. I feel but. like he would have oh, lifelong been terrible at it and has too big an ego to let anyone see that. But you know who does throw opening pitches at baseball games? Doctor Fauci. Oh. He seems like a... Well, he did. I'm not... Right. <laughs> there, is, there is video proof that he could throw a baseball to home plate. Not very well. Not very well, but much better than Probably the Probably better than Donnie, yeah. I think there should be a field day of athletic... Of political figures, and that is how we should pick the president. I'm A-okay with this. That's how we got HW. That's how we're gonna get Hussein Bolt as our 43rd <laughs> president? Sixth. Sixth, nah, whatever. Who's counting? Who's saying Bolt? That's who. <laughs> He's not an American citizen. <laughs> tomato, tomato. He's fast. <laughs> that should count for something. He slays it at field day. He's so damn fast. He's a very fast man. He's the literally the fastest man on earth. Yeah. Good for him. So anyway. Until he, until he broke his leg and they shot him. <laughs> oh, God. Turned him into glue. Oh. Ooh, I bet it was fast drying glue. It's not the only legless runner shooting joke we could make there. Remember Oscar Pistorius? I haven't thought about him in a yeah, while. Yeah, wasn't that fun? What's he up to? Just... If I had fake legs, I would just do. <laughs> I'd funny also stuff murder all my girlfriend. Oh my god, he murdered his girlfriend. <laughs> oh, how did I forget that yeah. legless man murdered a woman? Mm-hmm. Man, it's like maybe <laughs> when we just go full into like the cyborg future, that will look back as like an obvious warning sign. Oh, because he had like those cyborg legs that made him really fast. Yeah, and then he murdered his. 
Nick is distracted by. I am. There's like a. N- it's like a squirrel. Just got squirrel with a pl- face. There's a squirrel with a plastic bag out there or something. <laughs> anyway, this is the fourth time I'm going to try to do this. Um, what's what's the deal with the. Uh, so, as some of our listeners might know, we've never actually. Well, maybe we have mentioned it. Your, the room we recorded is covered in um, whiteboards. Yeah. And usually you have something written on it. You know, you have a little calendar, like a week over there. And over here, it's whatever you're working on. And right now, it looks like you're trying to um, crack the code of phone numbers. Um, yeah, that's... Uh... <laughs> Well, I mean, it's just... this, is, this is where I go slowly insane. Oh, it really... Sometimes quickly. It really, like... <laughs> Describe what you see. First of all, when I walked in the room, you had all of this, plus there was more on the table of just the yeah. same phone number written yeah. in multiple ways. It's like a phone number that's broken down into sections, and then you have a cross grid with, like, a dot graph. And then over on the other one, all you have is, like, <laughs> part of a circle, an arrow with the one, and then the phone number again. And then you have the middle part of the phone numbers. It's crazy as well. This is a crazy... I left it up. I thought, I was like, maybe I should clean this up. And I was like, nah, I'll let him have his fun. Um, this, so aside from my just delusions, um, this is, I was looking to write a piece or perhaps record a piece around how to memorize a phone number. And that particular phone number is the phone number for... The organization, something like Up Against Legal Collective, which is a Philadelphia-based legal nonprofit where if you were to be arrested at a protest or, say, protecting uh, a homeless encampment, that would be the number you'd want to call. Um, so I thought of, I've done lots of phone memory tricks, mm-hmm. so I thought of making like a, a brief how-to to let people know how to do memorize numbers and use it just as an example to memorize this number because people say write it on your arm with a sharpie but um what if say you have been tear gassed and cannot uh visit see your arm in the moment what if someone uh is in the back of a paddy wagon with you and they do not have the number on their arm but they would want to call as soon as they get to the police station. They would then you'd want to be able to help them memorize it. So the ability to memorize numbers is not just a fun party trick, but it's also a very fun party trick. Uh, <laughs> I bet you're real fun at parties. Do you have I told you my YouTubers find this ignite films? There is a YouTube video where I had memorized serial numbers on fifty different one dollar bills. And recalled each one from memory. So yeah, I'm not just I'm not and, just blowing smoke off my ass. And this is why you? you have the mo- more sex than anyone in the it's world. It's true. Men, women, furniture, nothing is safe around you. Wow. You know, this is less crazy now that you explain it. Kind of yeah, cool. it sort of takes the magic out of it. I mean, you know, it's neat. It's a neat idea. You know, it also helps um, numbers to be remembered. Having like a fun word for mm-hmm. the second one. Oh, that's um, part of it. Like one eight hundred Stanley Steamer. Mm-hmm. That's a really long phone number. Also, actually. my porn name. <laughs> so with the one eight hundred, does the steam come out? You know what? I don't want to know. Yes. <laughs> one more question. Um, do they serve <laughs> patty cake in the back of a paddy wagon? 
It's a terrible, stupid question. You were and saying all of that. that I laugh. You were saying all that really serious stuff, and all I could think of was patty cake, patty wagon. Patty wagon is a very fun word. It is. Um, I don't know yet. I haven't. Well, I haven't made my way. When you get arrested, let mm-hmm. me know. I will. Cool. I'll let the listeners know about the experience. Cool. And I hope there's patty cake. Now I'm quite looking forward to it. <laughs> you know, patty cake also sounds like perhaps a dirty slang word for something awful that could happen to you in a patty wagon. Go on. Like, I don't know. You, you Cops you, poop you, on you? Maybe. You all could go on Urban Dictionary. Yeah. There's a gross version of everything. Patty cake. It's when a cop poops on you. <laughs> and then he, like, slaps you with it or something? Yeah, <laughs> he <laughs> poops in his own hand, and then... <laughs> He or she. They're all lady cops. Now that's... It's just like that Slick Rick song. That is an Urban Dictionary entry right there. Yeah. Patty cake when a cop puts in his hand and slaps you. Give, give that a thumbs up on the old UD. <laughs> I went to UD. <laughs> Spent the best four years of my life in UD. <laughs> UD State, baby. Art school. Um, okay, I have a question for you. Yeah. What's um, up? So, if, let's say, um, a random person, I'll narrow it a little bit, we'll say an American person, if you, if we just drew a name out of a hat of every person in... One of 12 million. Wait, how many people? 340. I I think it was... (laughs) No, it's 12. It's not... (laughs) It is, in fact, not... That's New York City plus a little bit more. Um... Sorry, keep going. And it's just a random person, so you don't know their demographics, where they're from, um, but you have to play one musical, one band or artist that you think they would, who who most likely would people be cool with? And be like, all right, I can listen to this. Who does nobody hate? The, the, like, my trigger reaction, the first thing I thought of, I feel like is controversial. Not necessarily controversial, but I feel like some people do hate it, but I feel like it's agreeable enough that anyone could at least vibe with it a little. I'm gonna go with, um, William Joel. I'm gonna go with Billy. BJ. He does have a bit of haters. I feel like if you get get some young people, some hip people, they'll be like, this is fucking funny. I recently... They suck. Listeners, if you do, in fact, hate Billy Joel... Go fucking send us a postcard. Jump. Yeah, no, don't send us a postcard. Yeah. Do the opposite. Send it of from that. hell. <laughs> Jesus Christ. The opposite of that, though. Um, I used to work. As of last night, I was my last day. I used to work at a place called Morgan's Pier, and it's like a dance club. Normally, right now they just have food because you know COVID, mm-hmm. and we still we they still have a DJ here and there. Like for entertainment, and he mixed a Billy Joel song the other night. Wow, which one? And everyone seemed to like it. Um, I don't remember. Okay. But it was a pop, like one of the more upbeat, like not a sad, like an angry young man. It was something of that vein. I just I can't remember okay. what it was. I you know Tempo. I spent eleven hours there a day. Sure. Music goes through me, but yeah, and everyone seemed to like it. Okay, white people, black people, young, old. The handicap, the gay. Yeah. <laughs> I can't think of any more opposites, but you know. <laughs> um, see, my answer for this question has always, in fact, been 
the red hot chili peppers. Oh, you dog, you. And then bring that up because Nick, in just a quest to bother everyone he possibly can, is currently wearing a shirt. This is entrapment. (laughs) This is Californication, and I will not stand for it. He's currently wearing a t shirt. That looks like the Dare logo. One of the, we get it. You like drugs and you're ironic kind of shirts. I hate drugs and irony is the devil. And it says <laughs> instead of Dare, it says R H C P, which already dumb idea because it's not a word, right? Do you don't say D A R E? It's Dare. It's a word. R H C P is an abbreviation. Right. You know, dare's a lie, because I did rails with that line in a bathroom in Brooklyn once. That guy parties. <laughs> McGruff the crime dog. My, I, I could call him meth. My high dog. school girlfriend's father was, like, the local <laughs> incarnation of, like, when... when <laughs> what is his name, McGruff? Yeah, when McGruff the crime dog came to assemblies, it was... Uh, the father of the the woman I lost my virginity to. Whoa! Yeah. So you you lost. Make like... it a short joke. No. Find, find your way there. I'm fine. I don't need. Anyway, to. so instead of dare to resist drugs and violence, your shirt in fact says RHCP. Fucking <laughs> suck. Period. It is a proper sentence if you break it. Down. Right. No period on the dare shirt. Dare shirt. Well, we have different dare shirts, apparently. Some have periods. Um, anyway, that feels like uh, that's a shirt uh, hater wear because RHCP, you don't have to love them, but who's not going to get down with some of those hits? I I do get down with some of those hits, and okay. I got this shirt because I thought it was fun. Yeah. Fun to just, you this know, shirt hurt was, people's feelings. This shirt was, not ironically, made in a Hollywood basement. <laughs> and that is literally the truth. I bought it from a man who famously lives in Hollywood and has a basement. Meth Syndicate is a very See, not cool that many basements guy. in Hollywood. He might not have Are a basement. Are you sure? Yeah. He is, this was made in Hollywood and, you know. Flea. What a guy. Flea made you that shirt. Flea made this shirt. I bought it from him outside of a show. <laughs> it's amazing how quick he got out there to sell pencils and water bottles and shirts. It was bootleg. It was unofficial merch. Yeah, he's got a... They, he's got a side hustle. They don't let him on the bus anymore, so he has to pay his own way. He's got, like, a shitty, beat-up Ford Taurus. Um, in middle school in Long Island, New York, there was a rumor that the new science teacher was dating or had dated Flea. And I don't so know if that's true, but I hope you so. you just spoke a Billy Joel song. You just, <laughs> <laughs> you just spoke in word a new Billy Joel song. It's in my blood. Can you imagine if he did an album just, like, about every character at a school? That'd be so cool. That would be. He should do we a... We need a new Billy need... Joel concept character study. We do. We also need a Billy Joel musical. Didn't they have one? I don't know. Yeah, it was called Moving Out. Really? Yeah. Wait, for real? This yeah. is a thing? I did not know that. Yeah, it was like how they're doing, you know, every... Someone thought what you just thought. No, no like, but yeah. I don't mean... I mean, like, he needs to write... A new musical. Yeah, like um, like Elton John wrote Aida, which mm-hmm. was all music that he wrote, but not, like, just a jukebox musical. Right. It'd be cool if Billy Joel wrote a musical about... That would be cool. Something, like... 
being an old man with a kid. I don't know. Billy, if you're listening, make that musical. Also, call my mom back. You guys went to the movies 55 years ago, and she hasn't spoken with you since. Could you imagine... Think you're my dad. Your mom. Wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Aside from the obvious glaring math problems with that, could you imagine if your mom got back together with Billy Joel like now? Like if Billy Joel was always the one. If he became your stepdad, (laughs) that'd be so cool. You could have me over. (laughs) (laughs) It'd be so cool for you. No, I mean for you. I mean your mom would be dating Billy Joel. You would. You could call him Billy to his face, and then I could come over and, like, play with the piano. Yeah. Do you think he'd tassel my hair? Probably better. (laughs) (laughs) His big, meaty paws. Dad, if you're listening, I'm sorry for all of this. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure your parents are great. Wait, oh, I've kind of met them. Yeah. I've seen them on the internet. Mm -hmm. I've zoomed A lot of people have seen my parents on the internet. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta pay the bills. Oh, God. If anybody wants to subscribe to Max's parents only fans, DM us. Yep. Put you in touch. Well should we should we committed at least we committed at least half of the mortal sins, we might as well move on. So what uh what was your big dern this week? Big dern. Big dern. A big big, important dern. dern. Throbbing dern. Throbbing um from 2019, just last year. My word, it was. Uh, a Noah Baumbach film called Marriage Story. And this is notable, uh, we've actually mentioned this on the pod, because shortly after we started this podcast, if you're a, a newcomer, it let it be known that we were doing this before Laura Dern was an Academy Award winner. Um, and immediately after we started, she in fact won, partly due to... To our support, I believe. I'm pretty sure we swayed the Academy. We did. We also may have um, fudged a few numbers mm-hmm. and replaced the envelope at the last minute. Nick gave some hand jobs. At least four. At least four, yep. <laughs> at, at once. And, um, yeah. It's a very talented that's, man. Oh, God. Let's just say, uh, monkey feet. <laughs> e- Eagle claw toes. <laughs> oh, God. Um... And so Laura Dern won the Oscar for Marriage Story. Yes, she is now an actress. ego. She is an ego. She has an Emmy, I believe, or assume, for Big Little Lies. Even though Wait, she... does she have a Grammy? No, she can't. that can't be right. No. <laughs> you keep talking. I could have sworn I saw that she had a Grammy, and that doesn't <laughs> can't seem right. Be right. <laughs> uh, so Marriage Story is a basically a divorce movie. Starring Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver as a couple who, beginning from the jump, they're they're already getting divorced. And then the movie plays out about the custody battle and so on. What do we have? I think I conflated the the Grammy with the Golden Globe Um, when I was talking about this last week. And I think that's what I thought the G meant for a minute, but it is, in fact, No, not. she's she's an ego. She, she's not an ego, she's an ego. I don't know what this says about me, but I just immediately went sexual with that. Ego waffles. Something about waffles and... You eat them. Syrup. You, they stay in your freezer, you pop them, you break one off, they come in like packs of eight. Uh, you, you put them in the toaster. You don't keep babes in the freezer. 
fucking freezer you keep it up next. Woo! Spooky season! <laughs> this is our first spooky moment of October! It is it's October now! A lady in the freezer! How spooky! Woo! <laughs> well, that was dumb. Anyway, let's talk about divorce. <laughs> So, you, you did see Marriage Story. Correct? I have not oh, seen it yet. Okay. I, I've been really busy this well, week. Spoilers, I wanted to watch they it. split. Oh, no. They get divorced. The ship sinks. <laughs> There's only room for one on the ice flow. Oh, it's tragic. I hate how Mrs. Doubtfire ends, how he, he drowns <laughs> in that drag suit. Yo, what's interesting about this, when they divorce, they both end up with Sally Field. Aw. Oh, I met Sally Field Pierce once. Pierce Brosnan jacks at the corner. Really? That is pro- I'm not gonna do it because it would take too long of me just out loud talking, but I'm pretty sure I could get to OJ through Sally Field. Do you want to try? I don't- like, I- I would need IMDb in front of me, I think, because, like, Sally Field's been in so many things. I guess I could do Forrest, Forrest Gump. Gump. Tom... Shut up. <laughs> Tom Stopford Hanks. Hanks. That's it. Was in... Mmm. Philid. Yeah. With Denzel so Washington. I don't. What, were him and OJ in a movie, or would I have to go one more step? Uh, you probably have to go several more steps. I don't even. It's throwing you red herrings. It's not worth Wait, what? <laughs> um, I don't know. Yeah. I was trying. Start with OJ. If you I don't wanna... even. Who else was in Towering Inferno? I don't know. Who else was. <laughs> he was in. Oh, he was in Back to the Beach with. Pee-wee Herman. Okay. And Pee-wee Herman was in the Blues Brothers. Paul Rubens was in the Blues Brothers. Also in the Blues Brothers was... Who are you trying to get to? Oh, Jay Simpson, I think. No, I'm trying to get to Sally Field. I'm an idiot. Um, Blues Brothers, Sally Field. We get from, like, Ackroyd to Hanks. Ackroyd was in... Oh, fuck, I had it. He was in Driving Miss Daisy. Was he? Yes, he was. He was the son. Oh, I He was, was in that with... Are you... <laughs> Get out of here. He was in that with Morgan Friedman. Okay. Who was in... God damn, why are there so many this people is hard. in Hollywood? All we gotta do is get to Hanks, and he's in everything. Um, Where are we? Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman. I don't know if they, I mean, they must have been in something together. Well, you got it now. Morgan Friedman was in... This must be great for our listeners. Oh, they're so... They figured it out five oh, yeah. minutes ago. Morgan Friedman. What was he in? Movies. He was in, um... He was in... Shawshank Redemption. Ah... Uh, but I, that's just that just takes me a whole new hole. Yeah. Because then I have to think of things that Tim, Tim Robbins was in. So I'm gonna go with Teachers because he was in Teachers, okay. which we watched for this podcast. We're getting back to the topic here. Mm-hmm. Also in Teachers was Nick Nolte. I don't know where I'm going with this. I don't even know the things. I feel like you're painting yourself into a corner. <laughs> I, mean, I just I played a different game the same way that I could have with <laughs> Tim Robbins. I'm just gonna look up Nick Nolte. I, I'm gonna make this easy on myself. I don't think you're ever gonna get there. Oh, I'm gonna. There's I'm, no. I'm gonna do it in one six degrees. You can't. I'm do gonna. It. I mean, we're obviously OJ way past South six field. degrees by now, but I'm gonna do it. Um, Nick Nolte was in Cape Fear, 
Kate Fear has Atticus Finch. Robert De Niro in it. Yup. And Robert De Niro. Oh man. Was in And Robert De Niro, no, Robert De Niro also in that movie was Owen Wilson. Owen Wilson Owen Wilson was in Cape Fear? No, he shut up. No, I was Robert, oh, no, no, Robert Ron De Niro, Niro was in Niro, Meet the Parents. Meet the Parents. Sure. Um, in Meet the Parents was Owen Wilson. And Owen Wilson was a voice of a race car in the movie Cars. Also, by the same production company that made Cars, was a little movie called Toy Story, starring Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks was in a movie called Forrest Gump with... Sally Field, yep. and that's how I am. What twenty six degrees separated yep. from OJ? One of those degrees is Pixar. I mean, wait. Okay, so cars. No, we're accepting your answer. <laughs> I'm gonna make a more a, a better no. one for next week. <laughs> we'll both we'll both do do our homework. We'll see who can come up with a better one, a shorter one. So um, see, shorter, better. What on earth were we talking about? Oh, before right, that? there's this movie. Um... Okay, so it opens with where we get voiceovers of um, Scarlett Johansson reading a letter, like a letter, a thing she wrote about, the thing she she loves about Adam Driver, which is... Uh, Famous evil Star Wars boy. Mm-hmm. Evil girls boy. I know what boys like. Yep. They like Darth... Mall? No. no. That doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, so yeah, a letter. I write letters. This is fun. <laughs> so they both. So we get voiceovers of both of them doing it, and it's the things I love about them, and they're they're nice. They're sweet things. They're very sweet, thoughtful letters about sort of um, the the person's sort of style and how they handle certain things and what qualities they have that the the person writing it doesn't and that they admire in that. It's very sweet, but then it comes to they are seeing they're in front of a marriage counselor, and it, at this point they've already planned on divorce. And Scarlett says she's like, "I'm not going to read mine," so she she crumples it up and like folds it and puts it in her purse or whatever. And that's sort of oh, this is where we're at now. Those are all true. But where we're at now is their relationship has failed. And that, we get a lot of detail about what the failures were. And I think, especially on my second viewing, I have different feelings towards each of them. But throughout, there is this loving through line that there are clear problems that had been there maybe since the jump in their relationship. But there were these loving, tender moments and things that they could hold on to. And that's very sweet. And so this movie, written and directed by Noah Baumbach, who is currently in a relationship with Greta Gerwig, and I hope that never ends, except that we'd get Greta Gerwig's divorce movie and it'd probably be even better than Noah Baumbach's. Ooh, true. Um, but this was largely autobiography biographical for Noah Baumbach from his divorce with Jennifer Jason Lee, who you may recall as the phone sex worker from Shortcuts. Shortcuts. The movie I made you watch 
with everyone in it. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I forgot that movie I watched several months ago with a thousand people. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, we a little background about them. He is a theater director of the sort of avant-garde. He's apparently quite talented. And he's kind of a prick. He's just... He's... He's like an arrogant director or a, a stubborn director, my way or the highway kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And we get kind of from the beginning that Scarlett Johansson just never... Oh, she was his lead for most of his work. So he was sort of the, the local celebrity and these this niche celebrity as this avant-garde theater director. She was the lead. Um, she would share ideas with him and sort of... She felt like that was enough, but now was realizing that, like, it was always what he wanted. She wanted to be in L.A., but he would never leave New York. Um, and he just sort of had that, I, th- I think, often a male trait in relationships of, like, I will, it's up to me. I will decide what we do, um, and my wife will support that and play more of a support role. And so that's kind of what Scarlett has found herself in. Um, so we get, throughout all this, we get all sorts of fun, um, secondary characters. We get the, the actors and stage team crew as sort of a Greek chorus at times, sort of chiming in because they know both of them and about their relationship and what's going on. And the, my favorite is Wallace Shawn, (laughs) best known probably for The Princess Bride, I'd say. As short guy Hall of Fame, Wallace Shawn. Oh, forget it. Hands about it. down. He's, he's the current president of the, the short, short guy, guy Hall of Fame. Fame. I wonder if he's short. He's got know. short guy energy, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, you all know Wallace Shawn. I can't do the voice. He has a very funny voice, and he's that guy in Princess Bride. He had dinner Who's with not Andre. not tall. Andre, that's the tall guy with the funny voice from Princess Bride. Ah, uh, yes. He's the other. He's, he's dead. the short one. R.I.P. He died of giant. <laughs> Dude. And so Wallace Shawn is... We just get a couple lines from him as this actor. And he's just shamelessly bragging. He's oh, using no. everything. So Adam Driver's new play is going to Broadway. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I remember, you know, being on Broadway. He's like, you know, when you win a Tony Award at 27. And he's talking about, like, partying with Elia Kazan oh. and Marlene Dietrich. <laughs> and it's, but it's just, like, background chatter. And it's just, he has a couple of those where it's just him bragging about, like, how much he got laid back in the day when he was like a theatrical bigwig. Oh, I love that. Um, so there's this. So at one point early on, Adam Driver's talking about how the divorce is going to play out. They have a son, they have a young son, and Adam says, We'll figure it out. We want the same things. Me, me and ScarJo want the same things. What the hell's her name? Nicole? Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, that's it. Um, Nicole was way <laughs> off. I don't know what you were thinking. <laughs> and so then ScarJo goes out to LA with her son to stay with her mother, who is the best. Is Julie Haggerty, who's a very funny voiced older woman oh, from Airplane. Yeah. 
Uh, she starred an airplane along Leslie Nielsen, who was in Naked Gun with a. Oh shit, we're, we're getting sidetracked. <sighs> who else was in Naked Gun? Oh. Weird Al Yankovic. We'll get to him later. Oh. Um, <laughs> so her mom is just the most. She's like, we learned she's like an actor. She was like, had TV roles in the past. And she's just immediately guilt-tripping her daughter. Oh. Our introduction is her waking waking her daughter up, ScarJo, at the crack of dawn at 6.30. And ScarJo's depressed. She's, like, going through a divorce. She just, her whole life has been upended. And her mom goes, even though I'm 64 and have a dead gay husband, I manage to get up every day, live my life, and feel good about myself. That is the most Hollywood sentence I've heard in a minute. (laughs) I love that old Hollywood shit. (laughs) Dead gay husband. And um, Scarlett says, I can't just go from what Charlie wants to do to what you want to do. Like, it's clearly that has been a long theme. She was going along for the ride with him. But remember, he said, we'll figure things out. We want the same thing. But... Interesting. Oh, good question. And so we learn a little bit more about her. She's now in LA going to be, she has a TV role. So she's kind of like, I've always wanted to be in LA, but Charlie never wanted me to. Wanted to keep things in New York. We learn that she has wanted to direct in the past. Um, she's offered her own, you know, directorial advice to Adam Driver at times, but that she never got to fulfill that role because that was his role. And then she is told by one of the people on the crew to call Nora. She saved my life. And Nora is a divorce attorney. They said they weren't going to do lawyers, but... But we meet Nora. And Nora... We meet Nora is a tall... Blonde woman, played by Ms. Laura Dern. Um, She's wearing this, like, very nice bougie blouse and tight pants and red heels. And she she has perfect hair. And her first thing she said, sorry I look so schleppy. I just came from my kid's event. Um, For anyone who's seen Big Little Lies, it it feels like there's a, a fair amount of overlap between Nora and Renata Klein. Laurie Jaren's character in that, um, as this just upscale Californian. We've talked a bit about which California, which type of Californian Laurie Jaren often plays. This is very much the bougie business, fuck shit up, just fucking slash and burn divorce attorney Laura Jaren. And so... She kicks off her heels, like, she lets, she, you know, she kind of plays therapist, which is a role I think divorce attorneys also often have to play, where she just lets Scarlett be sad on the couch, and so she kicks off her red heels and, like, gets cozy next to her and gives her a cup of tea. Aww. And so Laurie Dern is, she says very sweet things and things that sound very empowering, like, you know, this isn't about what he wants. This is about what you want. And then she's like, you could get, she's like, you could, you know, take him for all he's worth, basically. And she says, ScarJo says, she's like, we said we weren't going to do lawyers. I, I don't want any of his money. And Lord's response to that is just, hmm. That's not too, I don't want any of his money. Um, 
I need a poop real quick. Okay, we'll pause. Yes. Let's take, take a poop pause. And we're back after about 46 minutes. Well yeah. done, Nick. I'm, I really blew out your porcelain, I'll tell you. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you that much. Not proud. I have no toilet anymore. No, it is gone. Gone with the wind. Shattered. It went right down the hole. Nick uh, blew out the structural integrity of my toilet yeah. with his poop. I'll steal you a new one. Um, in the meantime, I was reading some news on the internet, and oh, here's no. a, a fresh new headline. After Biden plays Despacito at an event, Trump shares a doctored video replacing it with an anti-police song. So that's our world. Cool. All right. Well, which anti-police song, may I ask? I don't know. Oh, I, I think I know what it, it was. It was behind a paywall. I believe it was, um, Fuck the Police. I imagine so. That feels the most I, on the nose. I believe I saw... It wasn't a Snopes article, but it was basically along the vein of, No, Joe Biden did not play the song <laughs> Fuck the Police at an event. Because that's insane. <laughs> that is cuckoo bananas. Of course he did I'm, not I'm do that. I'm frankly fairly surprised he played Despacito at an event. Hey man, you gotta be hip and play he a song from four years ago. He's categorically unhip. <laughs> he is. He's an old man that likes ice cream. That's his whole personality. Yeah, and you know, just awful decades of horrible yeah. corporate racist policy. Yeah, of course. And ice cream. He's from Delaware, of course. <laughs> Goes without saying. Okay, so let's let's hop back into it. Oh, I'm ready. Scarjo's got Dern as an attorney. Mm, uh, exactly who you want. She is cutthroat and definitely like expensive, high-end super attorney. Um, but as she's talking a bit with Dern about you know her background, she says like when I got the chance to do this TV pilot in LA, he said he laughed. He said it sounds stupid. Mm. And she says, if he had said, I'm so excited for your adventure, well, we might not be getting divorced. And so then we get, so we get these kind of, these very, there's a lot of comedy in this movie, and we get this very funny scene where now um, he's about to show up at the house in L.A. with her, her mom, and her sister, and they have this plan where the sister is going to serve him the divorce papers. Oh, but no. she's terrified. They're also all drunk. They've been drinking wine for some... It's daytime, and they're, they've finished at least one bottle. Um, and her sister's like, I get so nervous. I was never any good at auditioning. And then her mom says the second most Hollywood line oh, no. of the movie. That's because you wanted it too badly, sweetheart. <laughs> Oh, man. And so we get this sort of madcap comedy scene where, like, the papers get set down and everyone's panicking just because they're nervous about it. And then we learn in this scene that her mom loves Adam Driver. She's like, how's my Charlie Bird? He picks her up. (laughs) And then she, like, tries to pick him up, like, really trying, just, like, laughing. And so she's, like, angry at her daughter for divorcing this guy because she loves him so much. We learn that she still sees her other daughter's ex. She's like, I still talk to Paul. And she's like, would you stop talking to Paul? She's like, we go to lunch sometimes. Uh, great. And then we meet... Madness. And then we meet... Um, so now, Adam Driver, he's got a 
arm up. He needs a lawyer. She's got Dern. Nora's coming after him and all he owns. So he needs the big guns. So he's got to find a lawyer in L.A. And... Laura Dern in a mustache. Laura Dern... (laughs) Playing a man. Played by none other than Ray Liotta. Really? Ray Liotta is... Like, Dern deserves the Oscar, but there's... There's a part of this where... That Oscar feels like it owes at least a little bit to Ray Liotta... And a third lawyer, who we haven't even gotten to yet. Ray Liotta is just, as soon as you see him, you're like, oh, rich prick L.A. lawyer. <laughs> Got it. He is in just like a too nice suit. He's, he's big headed and sharp and, you know. And then the first thing he says, he goes to Adam Driver. He's got his assistant sitting over here. And he goes, here's the fact, Jack. I'm 950 bucks an hour. Ted, he points to his assistant, he's like, Ted's 400 an hour. <laughs> so if you got a stupid question, you ask Ted. <laughs> oh, that is... Oh. And he's God. like, all right, we gotta go after her. Like, we gotta take this bitch down. She's Jesus. like, he's like, thank you, but she's not a bitch. Like, I, I care about her. That woman is Scarlett Johansson, and I love her. And he's like, does your wife do any drugs or anything? Coke? <laughs> Come on, give me some. <laughs> and uh, he's got he's got a pillow on his couch, a throw pillow that says "Eat, Drink, and Remarry." Oh my god! <laughs> and so Adam Driver's like, I can't afford this. I and he leaves. He does not retain Ray Liotta. What a shame. And then his mother recommends a a friend who now does family law, um, who is, has very Gill energy from The Simpsons. It's sort, oh. it's sort of... He's more... Less incompetent than Gill, for sure. Um, but sort of sad. This is not a big, flashy lawyer. This is like a sad little office, you know, modest suit kind of lawyer. I, no lie, think about Gill at least twice a week. Yeah, as we all should. He's, uh... He's a treasure in all of our hearts and minds. That one episode where they hire him to babysit their kids. Oh, no. And he's like, I want $12 and all the popsicles in the freezer. And Homer says, $8 and two popsicles. <laughs> then Gil says, three. And Homer says, deal. Says, you still got it, baby. <laughs> um, this Gil is played by none other than a man with uh, no small amount of acclaim throughout his career, Mr. Alan Alda. Oh, Alan! Yeah. And I so now, Alan. already, I'm sure you can picture this as an Alan Alda character. <sighs> and so Alan Alda is the first person, he's the only lawyer that, like, treats these people like people. And he's very nice and sympathetic. He's like, you know, I want to lead us to the truth, wherever it may be. Um, you know, it's not about... I don't want to slash and burn. I don't want you to have this to go on for long. It's going to be bad for the kids. It's going to be bad for you. It's going to be bad for her. And um, so Adam Driver, is, he likes this. He feels very comforted by this at a place where we get a recurring theme where he just doesn't know what to do. Where he... And part of that's just this whole like mechanics of this new situation, but parts like 
she did a lot of stuff for him and he didn't know how to take care of certain things. And so, like, even finding a lawyer, he, like, didn't... He needed Nora... He needed Laura Dern to, like, spell it out for him. She's like, this is what you have to do or we're taking all your money. Like, it'd be very clear. And so then... Then we get another... So ScarJo has her her hair colored a certain way and it's kind of short. It's like short blonde hair. And he says, oh, you, did you do something with your hair? She's like, yeah, you know, and he's like... Oh, I, I prefer it a bit longer. Um, and she sort of, in that moment, you see her realize the absurdity of her having to take that from him. Because he, for him, it's the most reasonable thing to say and reasonable thing to believe. And therefore, because it's how he feels, it is what is best for her. And where he says, we want the same things, it's because he thinks they want the same things, right? And you see in this moment where she's like, you know, he's like, you said we wouldn't use lawyers. And we don't know that she ever said that. We don't know that she ever wanted that. And now presented with this opportunity to really fight him, it's, she has this willingness, and frankly, I'm about it. And the first time I watched it, it felt... This felt like a process that was too destructive for both of them. And on second viewing, I'm like, oh, she kind of had to do this, and fuck yeah. Um, because she never did get what she wanted in, in these ways. And so she, like, laughs. And just, it's like the moment she starts not giving a fuck. And realizing she doesn't have to listen to him or do what he wants. Um... Then she's at a party, uh, and this guy's hitting on her, quote-unquote, with the, um, he gives her a glass of tequila, and he says, you know, the Japanese are making some really interesting tequila now, which makes me just so glad I don't live in L.A. anymore, because it's... That, that sounds like, um, in Annie Hall, when they're at that L.A. party, like, you hear all those crazy, hol- like, exactly. all those crazy I lost my mode, like, stuff like that. I feel like that is one yes, of those things. absolutely. And then she's, she's like, all right, it doesn't take much. She doesn't care. She wants, she wants to fool around with this guy in her car. Ooh. And she's like, just finger me. That's all I want. And he's like, yeah. She's like, yep, that's all I want. And it's just her taking command and doing what she wants. Nice. And if ScarJo wants to get finger blasted in the back of a car in Hollywood, <laughs> that's her. what she gets. Hey, that's what she does. Yeah. And Adam Driver ain't standing in the fucking way. And so then we get, you know, we get some back back and forth, we get some more lawyer stuff, and then we get the, every divorced movie has one, the climactic fight scene. I have seen this scene. Yes, it is a very powerful scene. Both of theirs, so like, obviously we talk about Dern's award-winning performance, both of their performances are phenomenal. They do a wonderful job conveying so many different emotions and nuance, um, both about each other. And then in this scene, it's, it's sort of when all the unsaid is said. And it culminates, um, 
freak out. There's one funny joke before we get into the details of that scene where yeah. these people are trying to, he's like, we're a New York family. We live in New York. And it's like, you should try LA. Everyone's saying you should try LA. And everyone says, there's so much space. <laughs> and like, Alan Alda's like, did you hear what she said? Like, think about it. There's a lot of space. Like, <laughs> so it's just the recurring theme. <laughs> and he goes to Alan Alda as Bert. He goes, fuck the space, Bert. Fuck the space. <laughs> so great. Then we get the fights. Oh, gosh. And so what stood out to me, there's so much, I encourage everyone to just watch Marriage Story fight scene on YouTube, but the one exchange that really hit home, he goes, you didn't love me, or she goes, you didn't love me as much as I love you. And his response is, what does that have to do with moving to L.A.? (laughs) Oh my god. He has, he does no oh. denial and no consideration that that is like categorically true. <laughs> that yes, in fact, that appears to be the case and <laughs> often was because he is very self centered and just th- is unable to consider her outside of his relationship with her. And so then he, he throws. His big one, he goes, every day I wake up and wish that you were dead. And it's supposed to hit hard for him. It's not supposed to in the movie necessarily. It's very intense. Um, But it doesn't hit hard for her. (laughs) She doesn't. Then he's on his knees crying. And she's consoling him. So there's all these, you know, instances where they do have tender moments, even within this fight. But his just jumping to this extreme, it it feels like a man child's doing it. It feels like an inse- just deep in insecurity. Like you said hurtful things, so now I'm just gonna try to drop a trump card on there, and it's too big and unrealistic and bullshit. And she isn't doesn't feel threatened by it and isn't really moved by it in that moment, and that ends the scene. Um, then we get a bit more in Dern, where now they're prepping ScarJo for her testimony, and Laura Dern wants her to let her know, like, no, you don't, don't admit that you call your husband an asshole sometimes, even though he is one. Don't admit, don't talk about the fact that you sometimes drink wine. Uh, and then we get, I'm going to play a little clip from you, and I think this is a fantastic little bit from Dern, um, that... I would say is the most Oscar-worthy part of this wonderful performance. And now my next question. We can accept an imperfect dad. Let's face it, the idea of a good father was only invented like 30 years ago. Before that, fathers were expected to be silent and absent and unreliable and selfish. And we can all say we want them to be different. But on some basic level, we accept them. We love them for their fallibilities, but people absolutely don't accept those same failings in mothers. We don't accept it structurally, and we don't accept it spiritually, because the basis of our Judeo-Christian whatever is Mary, mother of Jesus, and she's perfect. She's a virgin who gives birth, unwaveringly supports her child and holds his dead body when he's gone. And the dad isn't there. He didn't even do the fucking. God is in heaven. God is the father and God didn't show up. So you have to be perfect and Charlie can be a fuck up and it doesn't matter. Ooh. 
Oh, that's good. <laughs> that's good, Darren, right she there. She won an Oscar. <laughs> yep. That, that's an Oscar-winning worthy performance. I'd say so. Yeah. I so, couldn't even see your face, and I was... You knew it. I was keyed in. I was going to show you the screen, but, like, I know you already knew it. I, you know which Darren you're getting. I know some Darren. Mm-hmm. I'm a... <laughs> I had, my fin- had my finger and a few Dern pies in my day. <laughs> Back of a car, in fact. <laughs> um, oh, one thing I want to talk about that's some of the funniest bits, which is also extremely LA, is the when the lawyers are like on the clock in action, they're you know combative and argumentative, but even. When the assistant goes, oh, should we order lunch? And they're like, yeah, let's put a lunch order in. And Aww. she's like, Laura Dern says to Adam Driver, she's like, oh, have you eaten at Manny's? It's fantastic. Like, you're going to love it. She's suddenly like his best friend. Um, <laughs> and so Adam Driver gets sick of Gil. He realizes that even though Gil's maybe right about all this, that he needs a fighter. Aww. So he rolls up uh, in court with Ray Liotta. Uh. Big swinging dick, Ray Liotta. And so Laura Dern sees him. She's like, fuck. Fuck. Oh, no. she He got him? Oh. She's like, this is a nightmare. Like, all right. Everything's out the window. We're, we got to fight tooth and nail. And then she goes up to Ray Liotta. She's like, hey, how to see you? Good to see you. She, like, kisses him on the cheek. She's like, I ran into your wife at Medea the other night. Like, some fancy restaurant. I heard, I've heard you've been spending a lot of time in Malibu. And he's like, yeah. It's, it's like they have this great rapport. It's Ooh. just professionals. Oh, god! And then as soon as they're in front of a judge, it's gloves off. It's great. So then another um, funny scene is they have a court person come watch Adam Driver have dinner with his son. And she's this very quiet, timid woman um, who apparently is on the show Baskets with Zach Galifianakis, which I haven't watched. I also have not watched, um, but I but believe you. She, so she's sort of this, this quiet, homely sort of woman, and she's just sort of sitting, observing. The whole scene is built on just the sort of awkwardness of her presence and her exchange. And her son's like, Daddy, do the knife trick. And he's oh. trying to look like a good bird. He's like, no, we're not going to do the knife trick. And he's like sweating bullets. Oh, my God. <laughs> and the son goes into his room, and then he's like just sitting there. He's like, all right, the knife trick is <laughs> I have this this little box cutter that my wife gave me on my keychain. And what I'll do is I'll pretend to slice my arm, and he kind of rubs it against his arm, but I have the blade retracted. Like, that's it. It's a dumb little trick. But we see that he, in fact, sliced his arm in front of her when he did. Oh, my. He's bleeding profusely. Oh. And she's like, are you okay? Like, do you need, like, he's just trying to hide the fact that this clearly happened. So it's like, his, his dress shirt sleeve over it is just getting bloodier and bloodier. Oh, I hate that. He's like, showing her to the door, he grabs her purse, but it's like with his bloody arms, so she's trying not to touch it. But he can't, like, get the lock on the door when she's trying to leave. It just leaves, like, a blood stain on the door. Um, it's very funny. Uh, it's it's a funny moment, and then we, so then we get, um, then basically we learn that at some some point in the future, 
The divorce has gone through. Darren has gotten ScarJo 55% custody because she's kind of like, fuck him. She's like, <laughs> I never want anyone to be, I just don't want him to tell his friends it's 50 50. <laughs> and. Ridiculous. You know, and so then he's out there in LA and he sees ScarJo and he says to her, Oh, first she says, you know, I've been, she has a new boyfriend and he seems very nice. And she said, you know, the show's been, been going great. And her boyfriend's like, I think it's Emmy worthy. And he's like, well, you always were such a great actress. And she says, no, no, I'm now I'm directing. Ooh. And he goes, congratulations, like really excited and ecstatic. And that is sort of when I realized that all of this needed to happen. For him to get there, where that, like, he may in fact care internally, but without a divorce, one, and two, this, you know, without her fighting tooth and nail for a serious divorce, where he wanted Alan Alda to say, all right, we're just going to let things go the way they've been going, and that'll be fine. And so nothing needs to change. That was He was very much of the let's keep it status quo mindset, even in divorce. And now we, he seems genuinely happy, which we, for her, which we hadn't seen at any point up to the film, up, up to then. Um, and he's finally taken a position and he says, you know, I'm going to be at UCLA for a residency. I'm going to do, you know, two back to back, uh, productions. And that wouldn't have happened if none of this had happened, right? Cause it was my way and I like New York. Um, so. It's a nice conclusion. Then we get um, a beautiful bit where first we get ScarJo at a party with her mother and sister doing um, the song. They're like putting on a little performance for the crowd. Um, you could drive a person crazy from Company hmm. by Stephen Sondheim, which I have not seen, but I'm somewhat familiar with as this play that was one of the first to really be a musical that got serious and nuanced and wasn't just like a fun ride um, and was about the challenges and struggles and problems with relationships um, and flawed characters in many ways and how we, how we deal with that. And so they're saying you could drive a person crazy, which is sort of a song that's like about... A guy who drives them nuts, but there is some redeeming quality within him that comes through in the song. But they're very much having fun that, you know, he's not there. They're <laughs> just singing a fun song. And then we get him at with what his theater crew, I guess, in L.A. And there's like, it's karaoke or something, or like a jazz piano performance and the pianist starts playing um a song which is also from the musical company called being alive and that's what i was singing while you were pooping oh nice um a beautiful song about um so the the verse of the song is like um someone to hold you too close and it's like all these two things it's sort of bad things like someone to take up too much space and um these negatives and it's like why would i want to be in a relationship with all this you know but as the song progresses 
then it becomes someone to hold me too close. As sort of these are things I want, and the song does this beautifully kind of the growth from fuck relationships they're fucked up to even if they're fucked up like i i need someone in my life i care and i'm willing to like do that so it's it's very much like a perfect song for his growth as a character where it seems like he maybe didn't really care about his marriage in this relationship but now he it has allowed him to learn and grow in a big way and that's nice. And then we get the final um, bow on the movie, which is Henry the Sun. Adam Driver's waiting for them. They're about to all go out trick-or-treating. And Henry is reading. He's been, like, struggling to read, learning how to read throughout the movie. And he's reading that original letter that Scarlett wrote about the things she loves about him. And he sits there, and he's touched and crying and recognizes what this is, and she stands in the doorway. He doesn't know she's there, and she's crying. Um, and it's nice, and it seems they leave with a, a much more amicable relationship and divorce, and both with the opportunity to have a better relationship coming forward. It's quite nice. Great film. Watch it on Netflix. Yeah, I just on my homework corner down here on my notes. I will try to watch it this week. It sounds really good. Wonderful. Now that I've heard the entire thing explained by you. Yeah, exactly. This is how I should do all my movies. Just have you watch it first and explain the whole mm-hmm. thing, and then I watch it later. Yeah, nice, good movie, Oscar worthy movie, Oscar winning movie. True. I did not know, and half of those people were in that movie. Mm-hmm. Huh. Oh yeah, I'm excited. The lawyer trio is uh, they're, they're all so fun in their own ways. It almost reminds me. Did you ever see um, "Thank You for Smoking"? I have. Oh, I had to like, watch it for a class, and I watched it like eight times in a row. Oof. Really like that movie. Oh, there's like the alcohol, tobacco, and yes. firearms people. <laughs> <laughs> Three supporting characters. Gosh, Each very gung ho in their own way. Whew. Well, I feel long. Uh, I feel worn, worn down from that one. Yeah, ready, um, I guess. Yeah, it's because I just watched it this morning, <laughs> so you actually so remembered all of it. Exactly. Um. Anyway, what is between your <sighs> my turns? Well, this week I'm going to talk about some music. Oh, Ooh, music! I've been listening to music lately, as one does. Particularly the catalog of Prince. Oh. And I present to you the song Little Red Corvette, which is about sex. I was it's listening to vagina more it specifically. Is. I was listening to uh listening to it, as I've been doing lately. It's in my most recent adding to playlist. And I was just the lyrics I kept listening and hearing them and I just think it's odd that she has a bunch of pictures of all the old people she used to fuck. Does she? Yeah, because in the lyrics it says, the pictures of the jockeys who were there before me. And it just feels weird that you go to someone's house in their bedroom and they just have, like, pictures of everybody. No, it's her fucking trophy room. And also that there's, like, a a container with condoms and some of them are used. Yeah. That's 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 just... Throw them out the window. It's the 80s. Come on, man. 
<laughs> Why are you using condoms in the 80s? That's already... <laughs> I mean, hey, there's a reason Prince lived so long. There's a reason that man needed steel hips at the end. He wore his out. Oh, God bless him. That purple man. Him and Spike Lee, the purplest men there ever were. Yeah, both, obviously. Short guy all of fame. Prince was short, wasn't he? Prince was very short. Prince was short. I guess he's so slender that you just don't think about it. Yeah. And I don't know if Spike Lee is actually short, but he's always standing courtside I with th- NBA players. I think Spike Lee is quite short. I think Spike Lee is kind of short. Even in like just thinking of stills from like the movie Do the Right Thing, I'm pretty sure he's like the shortest character. Five six, uh, which is mm, you, you know, know, you can get on the ballot that's, with five that's six. Like but a... That's like that's the end of it. No that's, five uh, seven. What's his face? Ah, what is his name? The guy George from Seinfeld. I can't. Jason. Jason Alexander. Yes, I believe he is also five six. Having shared an elevator with. Oh my god. Jerry Seinfeld. I you. Can say he's extremely tall. Oh yes, famously tall, funny man Jerry Seinfeld. He dated a high schooler. Jason Alexander, five five. Oh. Jerry Seinfeld, five eleven. He felt taller. That's as tall as I am. I'm as tall as Jerry Seinfeld. That's fun. Also, so yesterday, my last day at Morgan's Pier, um, they pretty much played a pop punk playlist all day, which I was behind. I enjoy good pop punk, a good um, What's My Age Again, a good Green Day, a good et cetera, et cetera. And they played a song that, to my knowledge, to my conscious knowledge, I've never heard. And that song was Pretty Fly for a White Guy. Oh. And, like, I'm sure I have heard it in the past, but, like, this is the first time I've, like, heard it and listened to it and been like, oh, this is this song. And the reason it struck me is because I only knew the Weird Al version of that song, which is one of my favorite Weird Al songs, Pretty Fly for a Rabbi. As often discussed. How you doing, Bernie? Oy vey, (laughs) oy vey. And, like, what shocked me the most is how much Weird Al sounds like whoever sings Pretty Fly for a White Guy. Like, it... The the song usually I feel like his covers are usually like there's just like this tinge of difference where you can tell but like that one is just note for note shot for shot like really close and I think it's such a goofy song to begin with is why it lends itself to being made into a Weird Al song so easily yes. but yeah it just took me for a whole loop that's so funny ah Weird Al I loved that was a, a very important CD for me it was the Offspring's Americana. Um, and in retrospect... Is that the CD that was good. playing when you lost your virginity to McGruff's daughter? Oh, man. No, it was probably silent and awkward. Who's that by? <laughs> oh, oh, I get it. You know, when you said silent and awkward for a legitimate second, I was like, is that, is that, a, pretty good. Is that a band? <laughs> Sounds pretty cool. Yeah, it's Simon and Garfunkel's later stuff. It's when they hated each other, but they still worked, because, you know, they had a contract. Mm-hmm. Anything else? Uh, I do. I could talk about Prince for a little longer. Um, Do you know why he started using the symbol as his name? I forget. Well, he went up to, I believe he was with Columbia when he was just Prince, like Columbia Records. And he said, I want to release these 500 songs right now. And they said, Prince, that would flood the market, maybe. How about we divvy it up a little? And he said, 
fuck that. So he got out of his contract. He left and like broke his contract, but the contract still existed. So he could not release music under the name Prince for like the duration of the contract. So he, while meditating, the the symbol of love came to his mind, which is the symbol associated with Prince. That is what his guitar looks like, and that symbol is what he then used to be called for the duration of his contract. Right. And then he went back. Okay. Then he went so to. So that was his plan all along, wasn't it? Basically, it was yeah. Never a, a full time name. And um, of course, that is a symbol that does not exist in any. Um, you know, typeset or font. So when that started, the record company he went to then had to send a floppy disk to every magazine and paper in the world that was basically just like the code for the like print symbol. Code. Yeah, to print it in every in like Rolling Stone and everything. Amazing. And uh, yeah, imagine you know. being successful and famous enough to be like, oh, well, then we'll do that. Oh, well, I'll change my name to this symbol and go fuck yourself. Right. He and also, you guys work out the details. He would also bolster, like, once he started, like, doing, like, arenas, like, once he was, like, really big, yeah. he would bolster his album sales by just giving a copy of his record to every person that attended his shows. So, like, on a tour, he could bump up his numbers by the millions. Was he, like, buying them? Yeah. I don't know if it was technically counted within the ticket sale or if he would right. just give them away and count it as a sale. Right. But it was messed up. Like, it was not a thing you're allowed to do, but he did because he's Prince and he yeah. could. He's a, go, he's a wild little man. Also, Jehovah's Witness. Mm-hmm. And he, he did fo- he did also his footwork. Also, yes, famously. Mm-hmm. And um, he produced... He helped to make one of the best Onion headlines, in my opinion. Oh, I believe we've talked about oh, it. Oh, we have. No, we don't have to talk about it no. again, but... We're, <laughs> uh, we're too sad to yeah. fuck even though it's what he would have wanted god horniest man there ever was mm. well that's all i got but my derns are empty i'm squeezed them dry yeah. as i like to do on this show what's between your derns max um i got a few things Ooh. one i was hoping to have cuties between my derns uh but i haven't watched it yet I will say, if if you know what this is, you likely have not seen it and have strong opinions about it as a new Netflix movie that um, is somehow in support of pedophilia, scantily clad young girls, like twerking and such. Um, but I've read that it's very much deals with those themes and is very much created in support of addressing those issues and condemning um, condemning them. I haven't seen it, so I know there's a big uproar. I'm excited to see to see how much it seems to match the uproar. I am also excited to see it. But, so I'll try to get that done this week. But what I have watched, I watched... Um, I've been thinking of ending things. Oh, boy. By, as you can see from all the crazy scrawl on my wall. Um, but also the movie by Charlie Kaufman. Yes. Wait. <laughs> okay. Continue. The listeners will get it even if you don't. Uh, uh, <laughs> shut up. They, so I've been thinking of ending things by Char- Charlie Kaufman. I, it is as bizarro as expected. Good. He, everything he makes is weird. It, um, Jesse Plemons and the woman who I didn't know and can't think of her name. I don't think I caught her name. Um, well, she has a lot of names. Both. she ha- Oh, in the film she has a lot of names. Yeah, Innumerable names. 
Lucy, Lucia, Luciana. Um, And it's this, it's a very artistic film. It's not an easy film to watch. Oh, no. Um, It's dealing with all these themes of memory and sort of diluting ourselves with memory and relationships and family issues, parents' issues. Um, And it does it with attention that is of the horror genre right where there there are several parts where it feels like this just could turn into like someone's about to get murdered you get you have tony collette as his mother in a a role that's almost as unnerving as her role in hereditary as like a straight up ghost demon mom i could agree with that (laughs) um it is this movie is filled with discomfort in that way and it's sort of i think thematically like giving us sort of a a funhouse mirror look at very mundane things and normal things and like little little things we say little ways we represent ourselves or lie to ourselves um and by giving it that tension, it allows us to look at these mundane moments in a way that is not mundane at all and seeing how the aggregation of them, um, what it can produce. So I quite loved it. But at the same time, I'm also like, all right, Charlie Kaufman, and what if you made a movie that wasn't about memory and time and relationships and how we represent ourselves like, what would it be about? And <laughs> I'd love to see, because it is, these are his themes. Eternal Sunshine, Synecdoche, New York, being John Malkovich, right? It's all representation and meta-narratives and things like that. Um, and it also made me wonder if Charlie Coffin is just straight-up suicidal. And that, like, these, the reason he harps on these themes is just because he feels them so deeply himself. It is about feeling disconnected from others and wanting to connect with others. And it almost feels like if he just keeps pouring out these things, maybe he'll develop these connections. So Charlie Kaufman, um, I hope that's not true, but this is good enough and felt real enough that I believe it if it was. So that is testament to impressive work. Um, make something else good before yeah. you do it. That's all. That's all we ask. Right? I mean, there's some you knew. Elliot Smith you knew. David yeah. Foster Wallace, bound to happen. Um, Dana Gould. Right? We all saw it coming. Yeah. He's not dead. <laughs> Wait, did he? <laughs> I, that reminds me of a very funny joke. Um when SNL did like their big like 40th anniversary special, they they kept doing the joke um, in memoriam John Lovitz. <laughs> he was there, and they would just keep cutting to him. And I don't think they told him they were gonna do it because every time they cut to him, he's like, "What the hell, guys?" Amazing. Uh, um, I'm also now watching a little late to the party, but the Last Dance, the Michael Jordan documentary. Oh yes. And if you are not a sports fan, if you are, like, the physical embodiment of not a sports fan, like, you have a silly mustache, and you wear ironic shirts, and you look like a sort of a limp noodle. Man, that guy sounds like a real rag, I'll Even tell you Even if what. you were that type of person, 
Um, it's good. It's really good. It it builds a fun, compelling story right out of the gate. Like what feels like an important story. It gives you stakes that you can still have even if you're not big into sports because you'll get invested in fascinating cast of characters. So nice. I recommend it so yeah. far. You know, I, it I, makes me hate Jordan less. Like a good character. Yeah. Hmm. Nice. Shall we move on to what here we like to call Little Dern? Well, well, well. Baba Booey. Baba Booey. Here we go. Uh, Nick is staring off contemplatively. I was, I don't know, I was going to do this whole thing about Howard Stern, but I've just had too much coffee and my brain's like short wiring a touch. Mm -hmm. So here we go. I watched a short movie directed by three people, the head of which is Sam Raimi, known for the good Spider-Man movies. And, um, Sam Raimi, he was, um, you got this. Um, like Heart of Dark, uh, not Heart of Darkness. um, You got this. Evil Dead. There you go. And other such films. Mm -hmm. He's a very good man. Very good at making movies. No, get out of here, you TikTok. I don't want to see you. So he made this movie with some people. It's a short film called The Black... Hmm. Gindalia? Gia... G-H-I-A-N-D-O-L-A. The Black Giandola. Giandola. Perhaps Giandola. Yes, and we find out in the movie our lead says that that is Italian for gland. Which you said last week. Um, The lead is a man who I've never heard of or seen. His name is Anthony Conti. He is a writer and director. He looks very much like a writer and director because... I wouldn't say he's bad at acting, but I think he just was himself for this. And he basically plays the straight man while a bunch of celebrities are, like, ridiculous around him. Not the first time this has happened to you. Not the straight man part, but what was the... Was it... The music video? The Beastie Boys thing yes, was very similar to this. Also, The Kiss. I've gotten a lot of short films that are just like a showcase of elite famous people mm-hmm. being ridiculous. Yeah. So it opens with this man going to like a farmhouse, which is very reminiscent of like the farmhouse from um, the original Night of the Living Dead. He goes in, it's like bloody, a little messed up, and he picks up this laptop and watches a video recorded on that same laptop of his father, who was a like alcoholic businessman type played by none other than the yellow m&m jk simmons (laughs) and he's doing this whole thing and he's talking about like a song he used to sing in the car when he would take him to school and it's like it's almost touching in a way and then the zombies come and get him and we find out in this little short thing that somehow jk simmons who is in no way a scientist found out that they are after the adrenal glands and that's how they're so powerful and then he he gets got So then um, we have Anthony sitting there and then it like cuts back to him in like an ER and like it's chaos. There's people all over the place. There's bodies. Um, Laura Dern comes in and she's like, oh, we have your test results. It looks like your body's actually fighting the virus. So we find out that our lead has whatever this virus is, but he's like in remission. And he's saying... Zombie disease. Yes. And he's basically saying like some people get it and then some people get better and some people don't. And then Laura Dern is, like, saying these things. And then, out of nowhere, the the mad hat man himself, the man you love, the man you love, David Lynch in, oh, no. in a black suit. He just comes, like, barreling out of a hospital corridor. More and he like goes David up. David get lynched. 
Yikes. Oh, man, Max. That was pretty harsh. Uh, I, I will never... That's what he did. I'll remember. I was like 13 or 14 the first time I heard his voice, and I was like, what? <laughs> that can't be his real voice. But um, yeah, so he comes out, and he goes up to Laura Dern and says, when's the last time you had a home-cooked meal? And Laura Dern is like, actually, I've been eating out of the vending machine for the last few weeks, and there's nothing left. And like, it's this... It's this weird energy where she's, like, super overacting, and he's, like, just being himself. And, like, it's weird because they've had such a long career together. One of her first major films was led by him, and she's been directed by him so many times. They're clearly friends at this point, at least friendly, and now they're in this weird short movie. And, like, he's being, he's, like, has her arms on her shoulders, and he's kind of, like, guiding her, and he's like, I'll make you some lasagna, and then they just leave. (laughs) And it's, it's... It's fun, like, it's a little, it's a little, you know, the whole thing's goofy. And then we got to this body on a girder, and the body gets up, and it is none other than Johnny Depp, (laughs) who we find out is the, um, like, the radial technician, and he's just, he's being all Johnny Depp, and he's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna blast a a radioactive isotope into your body, and it's gonna, it's gonna knock the virus out, it's gonna light it up. And he's, like, doing all this, like... Like, cool guy, medical mumbo-jumbo. And then our lead, the the dude, he points at a body on a girder that's covered in boils and clearly dead. And he's like, didn't you do it to that guy? And Johnny Depp's like, no, I've never seen that guy before in my life. <laughs> and then he pulls back the curtain, like the cover, and then this zo- super zombied-out zombie jumps up and bites him in the neck and splatters blood all over our lead character. And the zombie's just like, ah, zombie stuff. And then we cut back to our lead. And the lead is, like, kind of just zoning out in the bathroom. You see a bloody hand hit the window, which is really cool. Like, I liked it. was very, it was a quick little thing, but it was, like, a frosted window, and you just saw that bloody hand slap, and I was like, that's easy? I like that. And then this, like, little white girl is there at the door. She's like, let me in, let me in. And he does. And, oh, what happens? He's like, Ah, who are you? And she's like, I don't know. And then she she starts calling him Jackass, and that's all she calls him for the rest of the movie, like, just off the gate. And, like, she sees that he has a little boil on his arm, and she's like, do you have it? And he's like, yeah, but I'm in remission, which sounds fake, but you know. And then we hear more banging on the door, and then there's this big black guy, and he's like, open up, I need help. And our lead's like, I'm not gonna do that. You look mad and dangerous and there's zombies everywhere and then the guy just kicks down the door and he says where is she because he's looking for the, the girl mm-hmm. and then he's like looking around and while our lead character is very secretly grabbing a gun and then uh you know the girl sneaks out the guy's two goons who i don't know who they're played by but they're they're just classic like cackling hyena goons cool. and then you see like the lead is pointing a gun at the the dude that broke in the house and he drops it he's like don't hurt the girl here take the gun and when he does that, one of the goons is just like, <laughs> you just screwed yourself, buddy. And like, oh, classic goon. How's it feel not to have a brain in your head? Just like, <laughs> like real yokily. And then, um, let's, oh yeah, they throw him out on the front, like on the lawn, and they're pointing a gun at him. And the guy's like, I'm gonna take you out of your misery. I'm gonna send you to Neverland. It's like real goofy. The whole thing is overacted on purpose, yeah. and it's good. And then the guy's like, you're not sending me anywhere. And then zombie J.K. Simmons grabs in, comes from the, the background and grabs into the man and pulls out some stuff and starts eating it. And then the lead character's mom is there and she can, she can like talk still. And she's Wait, like, the, the lead character gets J.K. Simmons? No, no, no. The, um, the dude with the guy. gun, the bad guy. Gotcha. 
And then um, the mom is there, and she's just like, I, I love you, son, please kill me. And then he does, and it's just this super graphic, like, head explosion <laughs> of shooting your own mom. And then, like, he, the lead looks, like, the girl is safe. The lead is, like, he grabs the car keys off of the dude who's been zombie-eaten, and he gives them to the girl and says, he looks at his arm, like, the boils are spreading. He's like, I can't go, you go. And then she says, like, what's your name? I think he says, like, Justin or something like that. And he says, but Jackass is starting to grow on me. And then they hug. And then she leaves in the little sports car without a roof, which is a very bad choice for zombie apocalypse, yep. but it's a good choice for aesthetics of a movie. Mm-hmm. Well, if you've got, like, a like a shotgunner. True. Oh, this feels very, flying solo, very open. Yeah, but also, close. the zombies are rather slow, and they're all celebrities, A-list celebrities. Okay. And, um, you know, there's not that many of them. So I That's guess true. convertible's nice. And uh, then he grabs a machete from a pile of split logs, because I guess he was out there cutting wood with a machete, mm-hmm. which is very impractical. Yeah, don't... If no, yeah. listeners, if use... An axe. Use an axe. Saw? Um, really, anything but a machete. Yeah, a machete is more for clearing brush. Or in zombies. Swaths, or, yeah, or clearing zombies, for sure. Not wood. What you can do, what we, we did in fourth grade with my teacher, um, we used a wedge... And like a mallet. Yes. Which is basically getting the similar function as an axe. You love the wedge. And uh, yeah, and then it's over. It was pretty quick. It was like the whole movie. Like the really bothered by the machete. I don't know. Like it was just, it was jammed in a small stack of, like there were maybe eight roughly split pieces of wood. Right. There was no like bigger log that it would have been split on it was just a pot like it was such a set dressed pile of wood with a machete that was put there specifically for him to grab the machete up and i was like that's a little weak sam raimi come on Mm -hmm. and then uh that's it all right sam raimi phones it in yeah a little bit i mean zombie mood it's i i don't know there was an intro and it said like this was made for blah 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 i didn't really read it it seemed weird i don't know it's a weird it movie. Interesting. It was. It was like I would watch it. It's like a good twelve minutes. It's got some celebrities being goofy. Um, yeah, I don't know. Can you just find it on YouTube? Oh yeah, I found it on. I think I found it on Vimeo. But yeah, if you search the black insert Italian Giandola. word here, it's from two thousand seventeen, and uh, yeah, it's a movie. All right. Oh, Richard Chamberlain is also in it. Yeah, I don't know. It's a thing. Go watch it. It's twelve minutes. Cool. You can't what get What did you back. learn about Dern? What did I learn about Dern? Um, I learned that sometimes when you're really stressed out, you just need to let your good old friend David Lynch make you some lasagna. I hope they're not friends. I have a feeling they are. Yeah. She probably has him over for dinner now and then. Probably he right. talks about his weird, like, Dianetics stuff. No, for what sure. does he do? He has, like, his own, like, mental... I want to say, like, tantric sex, but that's Sting. No. I feel like... It's Buddha's, it's like Neo-Buddhist stuff. Yeah, it's like... I actually read a little I almost of said one of his books. Meditation. Like it, but my issues are not about his books. They're yeah. about his deleted scenes more than anything. <laughs> <laughs> really, if you hadn't have seen that first, you'd be fine with him. No, I didn't like him before. Twin well. Peaks is overwrought. Well, well, well. Um... What did I learn about Dern? What did you learn that about That she Dern? could win a fucking Oscar. Oh, yeah. She's done something that so few people have done. Win a fucking Oscar. Yeah. Have you? Not yet. I haven't. I, I got I got snubbed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who, who snubbed you? Laura Dern has the Academy. 
the ultimate snubbery. Sorry, I am just looking up what we're going to be watching this week. I feel like I'm destined to get a David Lynch feature film. Looks like you are not Eventually. getting a feature Damn it. film. I want it to happen. Oh, right. I'm, I'm little. What the On cool darn earth is this movie? That can't be right. You are going to be watching the 1973 film White Lightning. 1973? Yes. Is I, the first credit? This is one of the first credits, yes. I don't even think she's technically in the credits, but her mother, Diane Ladd, is in it. And I believe she just plays, like, a kid a or something. Yes. Yeah. But it pretty good cast. I mean, it's got Burt Reynolds. The rest of the cast is kind of toss-up, but you know. What is White Lightning? I mean, I assume... Ooh, it sounds it's, cool. It's got Burt Reynolds, seventy three. It's got Dabs Greer, Gator McCluskey. Oh, this sounds. I think this is one of the movies that um, Archer talks about. Sterling Archer oh, yeah. in like oh, his yeah. big Burt Reynolds like plot arc. I'm pretty sure he talks about White Lightning. Bobby Gator McCluskey is serving time in an Arkansas prison for running moonshine. Oh, yes, you love to see this it. This is gonna fuck so hard. And I will be watching a movie called Foxes, which I believe is from the year 1980. Ooh, we're both going back. Foxes. Randy Quaid again. Jodie Foster. Scott Bayo. Here we go. San Fernando Valley going to L. California. Okay. This is going to be a retro week. To bring back the the high tops and so the, the boombox. emotional, a disco queen. Oh, you're gonna like this. Oh, I'm I can tell already. I I know I say this every week and rarely do. I might actually try to watch White Lightning as well because yeah, you that's a Burt you Reynolds. haven't followed through once. That is a Burt Reynolds film. That sounds pretty good. <laughs> Foxes, White Lightning. Cool. I think we both have very fun ones. I'm excited. It's gonna be to... a Unlike most of the weeks here at Dern After Reading, this is going to be a good one. I feel like I've been on a on a little hot streak. No, yeah, I feel like the last month or so it's we've got really some lack of Lynch. pretty good movies. Huh. Well, well, time well. for our Dern down. Pardon? <laughs> oh yes. Is this, this, a, is this a new Dern down? <laughs> Shout out to uh, your roommate for coming up with it. Oh God! What did Mike do? He said, "Turn down." He's like, "I got a good segment for the end." Turn down. What's All that right. call? What Let's are we do doing? No, that's it. I don't know. You just say the words. Turn the down. end. Yeah. Oh, the turn down. If you want, you can like you know tuck each other in. Mm-hmm. We say good night to everybody, like on that. Or turn out. Maybe it was turn out. Ooh, I think it was turn out actually, because he's told me about this too. I just ignored him. <laughs> Why don't you listen to what he says? This is a better way to handle it most uh, of the time. Yeah, you know, just give him a cookie. He'll wander off somewhere. <laughs> okay, guys. We're gonna call it. Yep. I love you, Dern. Love you, Dern. Bye. 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 Bye.